Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. So Romans 7 is where we're starting off at. We've been working through um, the Righteousness of God series, and we've been coming through Romans. Last week we were in 5, 6, jumping back and forth, and we were going into this idea where Paul is talking about um, being dead to ourselves and alive in Christ. And he, he, he was hitting them with the, this whole you know, like, oh, you haven't heard type deal. Like he's talking to, to, um, to the people he's addressing, like, you're a believer. Nobody told you this. And he's going in like, like we're supposed to be dead. Like our old, selves is, our, our old self is dead in Christ and we are now alive in him. And he's pushing on this concept. So as we go in the, in the uh, seven, he's going to do a little bit more of that. And he starts it off with this kind of um, Jerry Springer scenario. Um, that he's going to start off with or whatever, where he's talking about marriage, but he's using it to make his point. And I have a Jerry Springer hat, by the way, but I'm ashamed to wear it because I'm not free yet to do it. All right. That's why I need this. All right. So are you ready or are we going to read it? All right. So Romans 7, it says, um, or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. The law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. This is where you can start chanting Jerry. Y'all know it. Don't act like you don't watch the show. All right, but it says, but if her husband dies, she is free from the law and she marries. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brother, brothers, you also have died in the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you may bear fruit for God. So today, we're going to stick close to the text, and I'm just going to work through some of this stuff, and I'm going to bounce back and forth to six as we kind of pull out some of this stuff, right? So you notice he says up here, he says, for a married woman is bound to, to the law. This whole text right here where he's going through, Paul is, is making the idea He's, he's making a comparison with how this works with him and in the kingdom based on natural stuff, even with marriage that we respect and honor as far as laws are concerned. So he's talking about the fact that when you're married to something, you are bound to it by law, right? Like, for instance, Tiger Woods thought he was not bound to the law, right? And he tried to act a little crazy, all right? And, and, and he found out he got Tiger Wooded. Like, now that's what you call that thing that happens when you cheat and get sued, all right? So they pulled the Tiger Woods on him. He's bound to the law, right? All right, and so three and four says this right here. It says, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress. Hold on, let me jump back real quick. Let me go to two. It says, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. I want you to see these things in the text. I want them to jump out, of, out, out at you because the premise we'll be working in. All right, so he says, if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. And then in verse four, I'm gonna jump down. It says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, All right? All right, so... You have died to the law through the body of Christ. We went into that last week, but for some reason, as believers, this slips away from us all the time, like what this actually means. It's like we say, and we're like, praise the Lord, that's awesome. And then we're like, what are you just talking about? That's why we're back here this week, so we can get back into this 
and really, really get an understanding of this because this is one of those, or do you not know things Paul is saying? It's pivotal in our walk as a believer. So we have to know this. So I want you to really catch this. And so to iron this out, I'm going to go back to chapter six and read something we read last week. So it says, my brothers, you also have died in the law through the body of Christ. Let's look at chapter six real quick and see what that means. So chapter six, verse three says this. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? This is the divorce, right? It says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life, all right? Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you for your word. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be in the room and um, pray that you do a work in the room that only you can do. I pray that this not be a service where we just try to get through whatever we think we need to do today. But Father, Lord, calm our hearts down um, that we can stop and we can savor um, your presence and gratefulness and thankfulness, Father. We thank you for everybody in the room today. We thank you for um, the believers that are here, that are here, and they support the church and, 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 uh, and esteem the body and the work you've called us to. And I thank you for people who are here for the first time hearing this word and are just figuring it out and they have questions, Lord. And I just pray that this word would penetrate their heart in a way that only you can do it. That's beyond me preaching a good word or awesome word, but that is in the power of your word. And so the best thing we can do is preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to go back on chapter six. This felt like I need to pray for a second. All right. So it says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So this is the idea of when it's talking about being bound in the law in the, in the earlier scripture, it's the idea that we are dying, that we're being baptized into death. So when it's given this scenario of she's released from the law through death, it's talking about us actually dying. It's talking about Christ dying because we can't die ourselves, but he dies, but we actually are baptized into his death with him. All right. So do y'all get that so far? The wordplay is a whole lot, so I just want to give you pieces of it, and we're going to keep walking through it, all right? So that's the divorce. It says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united in him, with him, in a death like this, like his, excuse me, this is the promise, watch this. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's the good news for us, right? That's the promise of Jesus Christ. So he's saying when we die with him, the same way he resurrected and came up out of the grave and is alive, that he's going to resurrect us too. That promise is ours, right? All right. He, so the idea here is this right here. We die, we're in this old marriage, it's abusive, we die, and we step into a new marriage, right? 
And Jesus is our faithful husband. That's why the Bible talks about him being married to the church. Are y'all with me so far? So he's a good husband. He's not the player from the Himalayas. He's the death slayer. All right? All right? So he's not, he's not pulling the slick stuff. All right? He's laying down his life for us. We're going to get into that some more. Verse 6 says this. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him. This is important right here. Because it says we know as believers, identity, we know that our old self was crucified with him. So what it's saying is the freedom you would want to take from that is this. We are free to walk in the light. We're free to actually to expose who we are because he's actually freed us from judgment. You understand by dying on the cross for us. Do y'all get that? All right. I just want to make sure we're awake. And there's a lot of pieces here. We're going to work through it, y'all. All All right. And it says, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died, for one who has died has been set free from sin. All right. So we were married to the law and the effects of the law. So the law of sin and death is at play. So the idea is this right here. If we're married to the law, that means that we're condemned up under the law. Right? It means that we're condemned up under the law. So, and, and then it's the, the, the law of sin and death. So the thing is this right here. If we're up under the law, there's no way for us to meet the law. So the bondage and the abusiveness of the law is that it renders death on us. Do you all understand that? So, that we, so there's this law, and the law is holy, and the law is right, but us in our flesh and in our sinful nature, we can't esteem to meet the requirements of the law. So therefore, the law becomes abusive to, the, to us because of our fleshly, sinful nature. Do you understand that? I know this is, this is a weird kind of thing he's doing or whatever because he's bringing it to the natural, but he's going over here with it. But if you, if, you, if you dive into it, it helps you kind of see it really, really well. So we are stuck in this thing with this law. There's no way to get out of it. So Christ comes and he actually stands in the gap and he condemns death, all right? So death has this penalty on us of condemnation, of death, and and the law is on us, and we are subject to it, and there's no getting away around it, and Jesus comes and steps in and goes, I'll become sin. The wrath that's stored up for all of us and our sin and every human being on this earth is now poured out on Jesus Christ, right? And by faith, when we go into that, we're baptized in, in him or whatever. We baptize into this death, and we come up brand new, right? And we didn't ditch, ditch this old dude, and we didn't went over here. Or if you're a fella, we didn't ditch the old girlfriend, and we didn't got married, all right? Does that make sense? All right. Okay. All right. So... It says we are married to sin, we are married to it because we are sinners. We have fallen short and are therefore married to its penalty. Death, judgment, the wrath of God on sin. It's inevitable. Eternity apart from God is inevitable for every human being because of our sin, because of our flesh, because we have fallen short of the glory of God, because we cannot attain to the law. And this is what Jesus was coming to save us from, right? And so in verse 4 says this right here. It says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. It says, why? 
so that you may belong to another. This is the breakup. We die. So when I was last week, I was going into this big thing about identity and, and, and how Paul is making the point. So, so you didn't know this. He's trying to jump everybody back to this starting place so we can get a hold of maturity and what it means to be a believer. And he's like, you didn't know this? It's like, this is pivotal as a believer. If you're going to walk this thing out, you got to know this. You are supposed to be dead in Christ so you can walk new. And this is the thing, whatever. He, 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 he's telling us to be mindful. This isn't, just, this isn't just a mind trick. It's an actual thing. It's the actual thing that's happened when we become believers. So he's saying, walk in this thing and know that you are dead. Let me tell you, I, when I woke up this morning, can I be honest with y'all? Can I be honest with y'all? Is everybody awake? All right, y'all, we're going to have to triple up on the coffee. We're going to have to put something else in there, whatever. All right, so um, start pouring some five-hour energy drinks in there, whatever. Get this place jumping all over the place. All right, so this morning I woke up. I walked out of my back door, and I you know, had my cup of coffee and stuff, and the sun was coming up and everything. And as soon as I walked outside, I had a thought about um, something from my past, and it had to do with... Um, just a female, and it was just a split second, but it was a vulgar thought. And in that moment, it came so quick, and it's one of the reasons I'm in a good mood this morning. In that moment, God reminded me. It's like, yo, J- the old J is dead. You know what I'm saying? Me and my man Oscar been having this conversation. You, you know what I'm saying? Like he's like, yo, the old J is dead. Like you, like I, I like I, I, that really came into action. It's not just a game. And it caused me to start just rejoicing and I worship. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because the thought was so sharp and it was so clear and it hurt and it grieved me. It wasn't fun. It grieved me. And I said, man, I can't believe I used to treat people like that. And then I, and then I just marveled and I said, God, I can't believe you rescued me out of that. And it, and, and it, and it just led me to think about the work of the cross. You understand? If you come to me for counseling a lot, I'm going to tell you, stop focusing on your sin and start leaning into the cross. And most people are like, what does that mean? Rehearse what the cross is, what it did, what it does for you, how it sets us free. Get completely intoxicated in what that is, because that is where the power is. It's in the work of the cross. So I was so thankful this morning because I said, God, thank you for saving me. I don't want to ever go back. I don't want to ever go back. Not because I'm good. I don't want to ever go back. The flesh is still trying to arouse my mind with the wrong thoughts, but like the spirit is alive because of him, because of his work. So Paul is telling us, he's telling us, he's telling us somebody's calling me in the back. I don't know if y'all hear my phone. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. But that's what he's telling us here, all right? All right. It says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. Romans chapter 6 says this. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also that we will also live with him. So we leave in one relationship and we're going into a brand new marriage. All right. Brand new marriage. I'm going to take a real quick detour real fast off of where I'm at just to show something to you show you how our new husband operates, right? Because Christ is married to the church. Ephesians 5 says this, 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. All right? A new husband gives up everything for us. Right? It says, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by, washing, by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. This is smooth operator. Turn that shot on right now. Smooth operator. All right? Smooth operator. I'm getting off point, but if you want to be honest, when it comes to counseling people about marriages or whatever, if you... This is always at the pinnacle of the problem. Because I don't know if you saw this beautiful, beautiful thing. I could have went through this right here without reading the scripture, but I just like reading it so much because when I get out of line and I'm just acting stupid in my marriage or whatever, I get to come to this and look at this, and I'm like, man, that's so gangster. He says that Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed, by, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Just a real side note. Husbands, everybody comes in like, yo, she's just perfect. It ain't always be perfect. But your job is to wash your wife with the word. You are a part of the sanctification process in her life. That is the way God has called you to lavish her with her love, with, with his love. You understand? And so that's what Christ does to the church. He has a promise to us to sanctify us, right? So we've died to the law. And we've awoken in this new thing. The law was like, you suck and you can't do anything right. All right? Husbands, don't front like you don't walk around the house like that sometimes. That's why I need Jesus. All right? But that's what the law did. But Jesus is like, nah, I died for you. I died for you. I'm going to walk this thing out. I'm going to sanctify you. Like, I'm carrying this thing. You get where I'm coming from? All right? It's not a shame to carry your purse at the town center. It's like, throw me that Dooney and Burke. I got this thing. What? All right? All right. All right. So, back to Romans 6. It says, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over you. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, all, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what we we're talking about last week. We the real walking dead. All right. All right. We're the season six, season seven. All right. We the real walking dead. This is actually something that we really, really live in. This is a place when the flesh rises up or whatever, it is expedient and it is proper for you to remember that you are the walking dead. The old you is dead and buried and you are now alive in Christ Jesus. When, when, when he calls you or did you not know or did I not know, this is what he was laying before us when he said, follow me. He's like, yo, drop your nets follow me. This is important for us as a church because if we're going to really do his work, if we're really going to walk in the power that he's promised us, 
it calls for us to be dead. And he's faithful to us. I'm not saying that you have to carry this, but this is the gift. But there is a reality here, whatever, that we have to understand. That is, that is a loving, good thing that is put down to us from our Father. That he's called us to drop everything to follow him. All right? And he's going to walk with us. All right. So says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. To whom? To him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. In order that we may bear fruit for God. So all of this is that we may belong to him, that we may enter into this new relationship. And the work that he's called us to is he's raised us from the dead, and we are now going to bear fruit for God. And this is one of the things I want to point out here, whatever, because I spoke about it last week, about esteeming the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how this whole thing works. Because sometimes it can get into this weird lopsided, lopsided thing where we kind of pit God against the Son, or we take the balance off. What we need to understand is that the work that Jesus did was not about him going, yo, God, you got beef with, with them. I'm just step in the middle and break this thing up. The father sent him out of his love for us. And the son does the work of the father. That's how he brings him glory. And the father called the son and he cast glory on him that way. You get where I'm coming from? It's important. It's, it, that, this is important in the conversation because that, that balance always needs to be maintained or it can kind of get unhealthy and it can kind of get weird. God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to rescue us out of this abusive thing that would surely lead to death because his wrath is still his wrath. We can tell romantic stories about how loving he is and they will be very, very, very much true. But you don't get to tell him unless you know his son Jesus. Because there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. You get where I'm coming from? So there's doctrines out there that are like, no, he's a loving God and everything else. God hates sin. He hates sin. And nothing covers our sin but the blood of Jesus. All right? Okay. Jesus, he died for our sins, and he is now risen and alive. The wrath that was stored up for us was attributed to Christ as a sinless, innocent, holy, and the only acceptable sacrifice before the Father. Verse 5 says, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So we just heard earlier we were meant to bear fruit for God. It says, but while we're in our flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. You know, when I was just telling you that story earlier or whatever, and I was just talking about thinking back on my past, and I just... Um, it's crazy. It flows back to my mind sometimes like a nightmare. And I was just thinking like the slavery of being lost and away from God was so real. Like it was so real I could taste it. And I was so aware of it. But for some reason I, I wanted to get there, but I wanted to get around Jesus. Like in my mind I wanted it to be another type of way. You understand what I'm saying? And so, I, you know, I used to, I used to, I just remember I used to be in my house and it seemed like I had everything. I had money, 
jewelry, cars, girls, everything in the world. And I'm like, it looks like I'm the man, but I feel like I am suffocating all the time. I'm like, no matter how bright the sun was, it's like I feel like I am dying right now. Like I'm gasping for air. I'm like, this is going to go bad. As a matter of fact, it is bad. Like I'm in no man's land. I could feel it and I can taste it. And, and there's so many people out there right now just like that. They look so cute. They look like they got the world in their hands. And sometimes we walk by them and we believe it. And we act like, oh, you know what? They look like they have it together. They like they're financially set up. They're doing good. 401Ks looking, looking good, diversified, stocks, files, all, whatever. I don't know. So I heard somebody say that, whatever, in Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know. Anyway, so all that stuff, all right? And we actually fall for it. We actually fall for it and give these people a pass and walk past them all the time when we know they don't know Jesus. We know they don't know Jesus. I was talking to somebody last week. They were running down. They were like, yo, tell me about their money, everything, whatever, this and that. Then when they spit out the gospel, everything was about, yeah, good, good guy, I'm on it. Nah, you, you way off of it. You way off of it. That's why I moved through this so slowly because this is it. I was telling you last week, if you're going to give somebody the gospel, if you're one of those people that you don't remember scriptures well and you can't run through it in the back of your head like it's nothing or whatever, I'm that person. But you can take them to Romans and this sharp right here, you can give it to them. But we need to be ready to give it to them and we need to be saying the same thing that the word is saying because the word is the truth. Not our emotions, not anything else, but we need to be giving them what this word is saying, right? For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death, right? But now we are released from the law and having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So listen to what it says. It says, I am released from the law. It says, I'm dead to what held me captive. And I'm now, now I can serve in the new way of the spirit and not the written code. So what that is saying to us is that that's freedom. Does anybody, do, do y'all get that? Just say something if you get it. Do you understand that? That's freedom. This is where you can alleviate all of the worries. That, that thing that comes in the morning where you wake up and Satan is in your ear and he's like, the day hasn't even started and you already suck. You're just the worst. Does anybody feel that sometimes? Day doesn't even start. I feel like a loser sometimes. He's the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus is saying you are not married to condemnation no more. That's not who he is. You're not married to that no more. You're released from the law of death, the law that rightfully had you under condemnation. You, you, you're not married to that anymore. You're dead to what held you captive. This is a beautiful thing. So when Satan comes with the lies and he's whispering in your ear, you can go, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's the old me, dead. I'm alive in Christ because of the work of Christ. And then we go back to rehearsing the cross and what he did and the beauty of it. Because it says that we're transformed as we behold him. So that's why God is telling us, gaze upon him, look at him. And every time 
our fleshly nature tries to wake up and do what it does, which it will do, it's an opportunity to look at the cross again. And, and, and I'm giving you an example I gave you about this morning, not because I always do that right, but when it gets done right, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to come back and like to, for Satan to come with the lie and then you end up standing next to Jesus like, yo, I'm with him, homie. Like, man, what, what you going to do? What you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like everything you're saying is a lie and I believe it. By faith, I believe it's true, right? If the lady from... The, the, the early example when the scripture started could speak, it would sound like this right here. I'm going to just give you all a scenario, all right? I'm making this up as I go, all right? So she's in the hair salon, all right? She's getting her nails done or something, right? And y'all forgive me if I say something stupid, ladies. Please have mercy on me. My wife will give it to me just for all y'all. So just, all right. So she's in the hair salon. She's getting her nails done, right? And a friend comes in, and she's like, yo, Sheila, heard you not with, with death no more. You know what I'm saying? What happened? Like, I dropped that zero for a hero. You know what I mean? Well, I see you always in here getting sharp, getting your hair done and your nails done or whatever. You must be trying to keep your man. You know what I'm saying? Nah, girlfriend. I don't got to work to keep my man no more. You know what I'm saying? He loves me. Curlers in my head, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, whatever, I don't even, whatever, I can do what I want to. But I love them. So I stay sharp. I'm excited. This new man I got is so good. Matter of fact, he's so good, he told me one day we're going to rule and reign the earth together. <laughs> what? He told you what? He did. <laughs> he's a baller. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I'm just saying. It's patient, loving, man, you know? Something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's freedom. I'm going to stop doing this. Matter of fact, y'all make sure this recording don't get on nothing or whatever. That was bad. But I want y'all to get it. You know what I'm saying? That's how Paul started this off. I want you to really understand what the freedom looks like. And hopefully that's a little silly example, but maybe it'll help you actually grasp what it really is. It's like, man... I don't have to work for him no more. He loves me. He did this thing. And let me just take you back real quick. It's a short, short sermon this week or whatever, but um, I told you this last week. When you start talking about this type of freedom, Satan always comes in and whispers in your ear like, you're a mess. You're a mess. He goes even harder. He's going to do it while he's sitting in the church. He's going to be in your head like, oh, I know what you did last night. Like, you know... He's going to go through every mistake you've made this week. Perhaps you and your wife had an argument on the way to church this morning. Maybe so. But guess what? Jesus is still Jesus. His word is still a truth. And he still has a promise to us to sanctify us, right? We were talking to the house party leaders yesterday, and I was just talking about how faithful he is. Sometimes me and my wife argue on the way to church. And then we get in here and we get to worshiping and praising. And then one of us is like, yo, I'm so sorry for the way I was acting. You know what I'm saying? And I say, baby, it's okay. You don't have to apologize. You know what I'm saying? You know, we keep going through this every week, but it's okay. I forgive you, you know. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm sorry, baby. I'm just fine. It's a joke. Please have mercy. All right. 
this is what, this is what I want to give you really quick. So I want to give you, I already read this verse, but this is what I want to close this out with because it's important. It's very important. I'm going to read Ephesians 5 again because this is what we need to remember when Satan tries to come get at us, brings us to that old thing or whatever, right? He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself in the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. I don't keep reading these scriptures because I don't have anything to preach, but I don't want us to be nonchalant and fly past the word like it's not a big deal. This is amazing stuff. Amazing stuff that he might sanctify her. Right? He's married to the church and committed, and he is doing a work to sanctify us and cleanse us. So we don't have to fall to pieces when it seems like we're falling to pieces, right? The work that he's doing, he is loving us. Like he tells us as husbands to do to our wife. Well, our wives don't make a mistake and we're through with them. Wives, when your husband makes a mistake, you don't just through with them. We have a commitment and a promise together. That's an earthly realm. What do you think his promise is like? What do you think a promise backed up by the blood of the son of God is like? It's sure. So you can fall back into his arms and completely trust that it's sure. And so when I'm telling you this, I'm trying to release the shackles so you can run in the freedom that Jesus has is, is, is purchased for us with his own blood and how he set us free. It's a good thing to die in that, right? Die in that, live in this new amazing thing because God is going to do so much amazing things with you through this church. But we need to be free to run. We need to be free to run. We need to be free from lies. We need to be free from the luggage that he died to get off our back, right? I just want to read you something real quick. Shirky sent me to this, sent this to me the other week. Um, There's a blog from John Piper and... Um, I just thought it was amazing. Matter of fact, I responded. I forgot what he said. What was it? What was it, Shirk? Yeah, that was the text. Yeah. So that was literally the text. Ooh, gangster. Like, so that's how good it was. Let me read it to you real quick. So the, he, he basically was responding to a guy who was saying, man, I know we're supposed to be dead in Christ, but I still stumble and I still make mistakes and, and everything else. And, and, and there's a lot more to this. And I'll actually probably post this blog. Um, let's put it on the Facebook shirt and, um, and because it's amazing stuff. But he says this right here. He says, what God creates in the new birth is not a sinless Christian. What he creates is an embattled, not yet perfect, spirit-empowered, persevering, Christ-treasuring, sin-hating new being, a new creation in Christ. And he says, and don't miss the words in battle and sin-hating. The new creation in Christ is a fighter. Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. And he tells Timothy, fight the good fight. And he means the fight for holiness and the fight for faith, the good fight of faith. Don't confuse that with works. Know that that is about being dead. It's about when the thought comes, I'm dead and I'm alive in Christ. We are fighting to hold on to Christ. 
and the truth that's in Christ, not our list of works that we think us, think, make us think that we're good with Christ. We're good with him because he died. And so when he's saying this right here, Christ has justified us. That means 100% he has made us righteous in the eyes of God, right? But the process we're walking through is sanctification because we still have this sinless flesh on us, right? But then we have this spirit that God has given us that's holy and pure and craves for the things of God. So that war, that's why Paul has that schizophrenic verse where he's like, I'm trying to do good, but then the other day I saw some girl looking good in the hood and then I came back and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that and I'm trying to do what's right and I think I'm going crazy, Lord, help me. And then he goes, but Jesus, at the end of it. Do you get where I'm coming from? So Jesus is where the power is at. That's where we lean at, all right? That's our hope and that's what I want to leave you with today.